0: Boy, It's been great to be a part Uh, happy 20th fellowship family It's great to have you here as we celebrate 20 years of god's faithfulness uh, At fellowship and you know, we've always treasured uh, people god views people as priceless and we always wanted to have an open door and an open seat for people to find and follow Jesus Christ That's what we've always been about and I don't know about you um, I don't know if you came it was whether it was the first Sunday that you have been here or you've just started attending Here's what I've experienced. I moved here about 14 years ago and uh, it, I began we began here with a hundred people But we were really focused on how to how to be a healthy church family How to be a church that God entrusted us with his priceless treasure of people. And I've seen and, and I've seen and experienced God moving us, not just to be an inwardly focused church, but also He moved us outside of ourselves into others' lives. I've seen Him move us from inside these walls to outside into the neighborhoods of our city. I've seen us move from a church trying to fill ministry positions inside of it, now to a church that's very much a part, very much a part of playing an active role in a movement of God in this region. And I believe our best years are ahead of us. Each of us has been invited by God to be his church in our generation, to be uh, transformed lives, leaving a godly legacy. More than ever, I sense the Lord sending us as a church family. This, When you come on a weekend, this is just part of the story. The rest of the story continues when God sends us out into the world. Remember, we're a place where people can find and follow Jesus Christ. But as God sends us, I kind of, I kind of aligned with what Paul said to King Agrippa when he was at Caesarea by the sea, when he was about to go to Rome. He gave a defense for the gospel in his life, and he said this is what God sent him to do. He said that Jesus sent him to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. God is sending us and it's a joy to be a part of it. So thanks for being a part of our family today. And thanks for joining us in this mission that God has for us. I'm going to invite you to come back tonight. As we celebrate 20 years, we're going to be having uh, some food, we're going to be having some music, and then we're going to be having fireworks. Topeka loves fireworks, right? So come, we are going to light the night. And by the way, by the way, it's going to be no rain tonight. I promise you, I promise you, I am 85% sure of that. So please come back this evening and enjoy a great time of celebration. You know, uh, we are all about uh, awakening to Christ, and we've talked over these past two weeks so far, we've talked about people coming awake to Christ, and many of you have come awake through this series, and that is one of the greatest joys. We absolutely love it when people turn from their way, they turn from their sin to trust in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So many approach Uh, Approach uh, god as someone you've got to impress someone you got to perform for someone who you get your good deeds That need to outweigh your bad deeds so that he'll let you into heaven and we've realized it's not up to us It's all up to what jesus has already done in our lives And so faith is trusting in the work of jesus for us It's turning from our actions turning from our sin to trust in the one who forgave us of our sins And that means new life. These next two weeks, I want to talk to you about what it's like to live in awareness of the gospel. Because I hear this all the time. I have Jesus, now what? Do I just, since I've checked the box, do I just live however I want to live because I've got hell insurance? You know, do we do we live that way? And the answer is no. We still need the gospel. We still need it. Don't check out because you've checked it off your list. You've checked into the gospel, which is now means that you are part of the greatest adventure of your life that begins now and continues throughout eternity. Remember, what God has been calling us into is nothing to check out of. Did you hear that? What God calls us into is nothing to check out of. So remember what God declares over you when you have Jesus. When you have Jesus in your life, remember the creator. Your creator says, now I'm recreating you. Your king invites you now to be a part of his kingdom. Your father loves you as his child and say, says, live. Live is not someone who's trying to perform for your dad, but someone who's living in the joy of your father. Your savior, the one who saved you, now sets you free. Your, your shepherd Who who laid down his life for you now leads you into peace. And your judge, the one you once feared that you've messed up, the one that pronounced you guilty is now the one who's declaring you forgiven and set free from the law of sin and death. So as you begin, I want to talk about uh, living in awareness of the gospel. And I wish this message was preached to me when I was younger. I wish that someone came alongside and said, now that you have Jesus, live in the gospel. Live in the power of the gospel in your life. I wish I would have had someone identify what my life was up against as I followed Christ. Because I want to call these, I want to call these rodents of the gospel, Because there are things that kind of creep in mostly unnoticed until they do their damage And they gnaw away at the power of the gospel in your life in the physical world They haunt us don't they rodents haunt us on the outside our homes look really nice But on the inside look out within the walls There's these things termites And you know, when you have termites, look out, you'll move heaven and earth to get the exterminators in and get them out. Or then when the weather gets a little cold, you might notice in your pantry that there's one of these. And then if it's really bad, you'll see these rats. Didn't you wake up this morning going, boy, I hope he preaches about rodents. (laughs) That would be life changing for me. Did you realize that actually the word rodent comes from the Latin word rodere, which literally means to gnaw. (laughs) That kind of goes right down to my bones and just makes me uncomfortable. We actually have someone here at church. Her name is Sherry Janae, and she is an expert on rodents. It's her spiritual gift. (laughs) And I put her to use. I consulted with her because I wanted to find out. I've always wanted to find out about rats. How about that for a bucket list? And she taught me a lot about them. She, I consulted with her on how to better understand how they work their way into our homes. How do you check for rats, I asked her. She said, well, one of the best ways to do that is to go into your basement, turn off all the lights, and listen. And I said, no way that's going to happen. <laughs> no way going to You can hear them scurrying or gnawing. You know, with the same physical aversion to rodents that we have, I I chose this intentionally because I want us to be uncomfortable with spiritual rodents that are in our lives. Beliefs and behaviors that gnaw away at the influence of the gospel in our lives. On the outside, you may have the appearance that everything is going great. You look healthy. You look vibrant. But on the inside, they're there, and they're gnawing away. At the influence of the gospel in your life You know when you come to christ you can see that sin separates you from god And it gnaws away at the confidence that you have and and the place That you that that you see in christ And what I want to do is I want to identify three of these rodents now I promise you we're not going to end with rodents today, okay? I, it's my hope that we will end with a greater confidence in christ But before I do, I want to remind you about two things about rodents. Number one, rodents are always attracted to something. Something you didn't think would lure them in in, actually was the actual lure that brought them in and set up shop. We need to know what attracts spiritual rodents. Secondly, a rodent always leaves its mark. Sometimes it's droppings. Sometimes it's shavings of wood. Sometimes it's an invasion in your pantry to find them You have to look for evidence because they're evasive And the same is true of spiritual rodents. We don't always wake up and say boy I hope I get these in my life today But ignoring an issue opens the door for them and we can try to mask that they're there But they always leave their mark. Let's take a look at them The first rodent is the rodent of self-condemnation This rodent is sneaky and it's based on the, on a past belief that maybe you've heard or maybe you tell yourself that you're failure, that you're worthless. Some of us literally heard this from a parent or a spouse or an ex-spouse. Or a bully in the eighth grade and you just can't get it out of your mind This rodent is attracted to our brokenness and our insecurity and whenever we mess up whenever we neglect seeking the forgiveness of Christ When we mess up this rodent has some bait We leave a scrap that attracts it to self-condemnation This rodent also thrives on failure and falling short of a moral code And so it happens inside the church when you don't feel you measured up to god's expectations And you try to come back to him without jesus You just try to be better Or or you try to do more rather than turn to what christ has already done You see when we mess up As followers of jesus we're called back to the same place. We started We're called back to the cross Because it was on the cross that Jesus fully and finally paid the price and the penalty for our sin We need to realize that what to look for if you have if you have self-condemnation Words or attitudes like this. I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough I'm a total failure and it always ends in despair When you're struggling with habitual sin, it's easy for you to think. Oh, there's no way I can beat this there's no way. I just, I'll just, i just, or on the other side, I'll just stop. I'll just stop. And, and those of us who have addicts in our lives, that's a very common pattern. I'll just stop. Self-condemnation gnaws at the power of the gospel. And then on the other spectrum is self-righteousness. This rodent creeps into our lives at some of the best successes, at some of our greatest moments of victories. It's it's attracted to success. And it actually uh, thrives when we are in comparison with others. When I look at someone else and go, whoa, I'm not as bad as them. Or when I go, I'm I'm better than this person and that person. And I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm better than those people. Whenever you view your life as superior to others, self-righteousness kind of creeps its way in. When you experience your best day, whether it's performance or a moral behavior, you have a tendency to think, I'm pretty special. God is honored. He deserves me. And self-righteousness, self-righteousness starts gnawing away. When someone around you is struggling with sin, And you look at them and go, whew, thank goodness, I'm not like that. Pride just keeps you self-confident in your capacities. and, And your relationships are ruined because you're always in comparison. What to look for with this rodent? Look for an attitude of, I could be better. It could be better if I were in charge. Or at least I'm not as bad as... Or cynicism in your life. When you have a lack of trusting anyone outside of yourself. Or sarcasm, which is a roundabout way of criticizing someone. Or an overconfidence, if I've got this. Or an attitude of, look at all the baby Christians around here. They don't even know what I know. Some of us just might need a professional exterminator to deal with this one. Because by its very nature... It blinds us to the realities and the brokenness of our our own lives. But I would tend to to think that if your spouse or if a really good friend who knows you really well and loves you anyway, I bet you they could put the finger on this rodent in your life if you listened to them and were open, if, if. Self-righteousness will gnaw away at the power of the gospel. Matter of fact, Jesus confronted this inside religious circles more than any other rodent in his ministry and then and then there's the rodent of selfishness (laughs) this is attracted to an internal attitude of independence it sounds like this more than anything God wants me to be happy so I can live however I want to I've got the promise of heaven I don't need anything here to any authority or any laws or anything to affect my life I can do whatever I want to. God is the one I I respond to, not any other person. This spirit of license just attracts the rodent of selfishness because it's selfishness. What to look for? Look for an impulsive attitude that acts or speaks before it seeks the Lord. Look for an attitude of, I deserve this. No one tells me what to do. And look for a a behavior of skating close to that line and, and going as far as you can without thinking you're actually sinning. This rodent, this rodent actually doesn't give us satisfaction. A life with Christ never thrives when we wander away into our own world of selfishness. And the most frustrated people are those who say that they're followers of Jesus And yet live very selfishly. Because a license to live the way you want to live will only lead you deeper into slavery, to the empty promises of this world. Church, self-condemnation, self-righteousness, selfishness. These are rodents that rob us of joy. The joy of Jesus. Don't go back to them. Many of us came to Christ... With these rodents in our lives. And the cure to these rodents is the gospel. The gospel literally exterminates these. And it's a, a continual awareness of the gospel that, that is prevention from these rodents. I love what Martin Luther said about temptation. He said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head. But you can prevent them from building nests in your hair. <laughs> And these rodents are going to be along. And they're going to be around you. They're going to be in people's lives around you. But you have the gospel. And the gospel will exterminate these rodents. Our memory verse for the next two weeks is Philippians one twenty-seven. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I know this memory verse is longer. I know you're tempted to say, it's too long. I don't want to memorize it. But I think this has a crystal clear picture of what our lives are to be like with Jesus. It's to be an awareness and, reflect it, and a free reflection of God's grace in our lives. It's to show the picture of, of the gospel individually and then side by side, together, together. We as a church are committed to living in awareness of the gospel in our lives. And as we do so, it leads us away from self-condemnation. It leaves us out of self-righteousness. It leaves us out of ourselves, selfishness. First peter one of the passages you read in your reading plan I'd like to look at that in first peter chapter one because peter uh, realized this he grew up in a jewish background He knew rules and regulations He knew how empty that was to try to perform your way to god and his life was liberated by the gospel of jesus christ He never got over it. He begins the chapter saying You have been born again by a living hope That living hope is Jesus, resurrected from the dead. And you now have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. And you are guarded by the power of God. And I love what Paul said about the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 16. For it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and then to the Gentile. That's the power of god. That's the gospel and it guards our lives from these rodents One of the first things that peter really kind of develops is what to continue to do and take a look at first peter 1 verse 13. He says since this is all true about you Prepare your minds for actions be sober-minded and look at this statement set your hope fully on the grace that we will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, bank it all on God's grace. Don't worry about your performance. Your performance isn't going to gain God's acceptance. Bank it all on the completed work of Christ. And therefore, keep preaching the gospel to yourself. Folks, you never you never outlive the power of the gospel. And what God declares in your life when you have Jesus are things we've got to keep preaching to ourselves because the world tells us one thing. Our own self-talk tells us another, whether it's self-condemnation, self-righteousness, or selfishness. And we need to tune our ears to the power of the gospel in our lives because if you're in Christ, God looks at you And regardless of your situation, he sees the righteousness of God. The greatest gift ever given to you is God's righteousness through the person and the work of Jesus. And because of that, Satan's most effective weapon is to take our eyes off of what God declares about us. And whenever Satan takes our eyes off of what God declares about us through the gospel, we lose our security, we lose our satisfaction, We lose our joy. We lose that confidence of the loving approval of our Heavenly Father. Who you are with Christ is the determining factor. It's not what others think about you. It's not even what you feel about yourself. It's what God boldly declares about you, about what he's done for you through the gospel. God's loving approval is the power that liberates us. It's not you trying to to make up for all your sins or be better this week than you were last week. It's your loving Heavenly Father. So church, remember this. Come back to the gospel. Keep preaching it to yourself. You are your preacher. And preach it. So when you fall, remember, God has declared he's your creator. I'm recreating you, Joe. You you may have broken this area, but I am a God who's going to recreate you and recreate your brokenness. When you wander, remember your shepherd. Your shepherd left the 99 and he found you. And he knows you by name, and he's going to lead you into peace. When you think you're pretty awesome, remember your judge that pronounced you guilty gave you grace. He gave you forgiveness. When you go, I'm never going to talk to her again. Just remember, God didn't say that with you. Preach the gospel to yourself. It's the power that's alive and at work in us. When you try to build your own kingdom, remember, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is now inviting you to live a part of his kingdom away from the darkness of this world. Keep preaching the gospel to yourself. Look what else Peter kind of elevates. He, he talks in verses 18 to 21. He says, knowing, remember this also, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. You weren't ransomed with, with um, things like silver or gold, but look at verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world But he was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in god Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in god Do you realize that? Now, I know there's a lot of words that we don't always see strung together But basically this is what peter's saying. Hey Keep pursuing jesus Keep pursuing him Because the call from the Old Testament is always be holy as I am holy. But no one knows how bad you are until you try to be good. And just make that exponentially difficult when someone says be perfect, right? Because we could probably all be better than the people next to us because we choose the topics that we compare our lives to them. But when God says be holy because I'm holy, we go, whoa, no way I can do that one. So what's our only hope in following Jesus? Jesus. Jesus had to do that. He became the one who ransomed my life. He became the holiness of God. He, he was God. He was holy. And I have that now with him because of his holiness. Keep pursuing the holiness of Christ. Keep pursuing the character of Christ. He, he God gives us the character of Christ when we start to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is placed in our lives to To remind us who we are. Keep pursuing Jesus. Don't make this all about you. Keep loving Jesus. Earlier Peter said, Though you did have not seen him, you love him. When you pursue Christ, that's what God does to your heart. You love him. His his commandments, they aren't burdensome because the same God of love who put Jesus on the cross is the same God of love who says, follow me. Keep pursuing Christ. By the way, if um, you struggle with self-righteousness, if that's the rodent that's gnawing away, nothing eradicates that in your life than when you see the holiness of Jesus every day. When you look to Christ and what he's done, when you trust in his work for you daily, when you start viewing him and His holiness and His perfection. There's going to be no arrogant, self-righteous attitude that goes up against Him there when you're pursuing Him. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Never get over Him. And then take a look. Um, I think it's verse 22. Yeah, it is. His, he said, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love One another earnestly from a pure heart Uh, Love is the motivation of god in our lives and that's why we're called to keep loving others You want to get rid of the rodent of selfishness start loving others Selfishness shows up and says what can you do for me today? Selfishness wakes up and says I hope you're sensitive to me on these issues and that issues and or i'm going to get revenge for what you did yesterday for me Selfishness eradicates love. It gnaws away at the love of God in your life. And so selflessness, when you choose to love someone, you choose to love someone not to get, but to give. That's the whole biblical definition of God's love because Jesus gave up his life for us. So the church is always called to love like Jesus because rather than showing up to get, we show up to give. And that love will transform your heart. That love will change you that love will eradicate your life from selfishness. It will get you out of Yourself when i've served people when i've chosen to love people my goodness My mind is taken off of me and my comforts or even my hurts And it's liberated To see the love of god when i'm loving others. There's times i've got to go god I don't know how i'm gonna love this person, but you give love so give me more love today and he does somehow When I'm available for it, when I'm in an awareness of his love, God gives more love. He's the reason, he's the reason marriages can begin again. He's a reason that families, though they've been disjointed by hurt and brokenness, they come back together. He's the reason there's forgiveness in this world because we choose to love the way Jesus loved us. I want you to hear a story A story about from a young woman named Haley Burkett. And Haley is a wonderful young woman in college right now. And she's been transformed by the gospel. She came to Christ in our student ministries here at Fellowship. And she's now living in awareness to the gospel in her life. She's going to share where her life is now with Jesus. And I want you to listen for the values that we just talked about with the gospel. I want you to see her daily pursuit of Christ. I want you to listen to her love and her service of others and just how God has been using it to make her look more like Jesus. Take a look at her story.
1: Before Christ, I didn't, I didn't really know what my purpose was. Well, I didn't really have a a mission or a purpose in what I did besides just what the world told me to do. You know, get good grades, go to school, be a good person, kind of seek after God, but I didn't know that that was like a daily walk. The struggle with living out your faith, I think, is that it's not always the normal thing or the comfortable thing to do. You're just surrounded by so many other influences that sometimes you don't realize that that's what it looks like, and so I kind of had that longing for something more, something deeper, and I didn't know what that was for. When I got introduced to the church and kind of more of what a relationship with Christ looks like, um, I kind of could see like, oh, this is kind of what that was for, that like God could fill any, any that void that you just want to be like satisfied and you want to be fulfilled by something. The part that's maybe like the most beautiful in a sense is the next step of where you're like okay now I have to really actually like apply what I believe and I think it's definitely a challenge and it's definitely difficult because you have to go against things that you've even told yourself um, things that your friends are telling you or your family are telling you and you have to be like no I believe this and I'm going to show that it's worth it and I think that's something that I had to do I had to sacrifice kind of the promises that the world gave and that's something that I mean still to this day um, I'm dealing with because you're just thrown so many ideas and so many distractions. And so I think that's what makes the next step so hard is because it's like a daily battle and it's not just um, a one and done thing. And serving, he's led me to Hygrest and he's just shown me that you don't really have to look far to serve people, you don't have to look far um, to find people who need the gospel. You have to know that it doesn't have to be some big production or some huge like missionary trip or anything like that. I think every person has that longing for Christ and that's something that I've learned in serving out there is that we all have that need and that status, like that want to be fulfilled and I've learned a lot about that it's all in the relationship and it's all in the heart and that Really, um, I think to live out the gospel, a huge component is just loving people well. It's more than just good works because when you are saved and you have like the Holy Spirit, it's not actually you working. Like We don't really do much, actually. It's just the Spirit moving within us and our opportunities and our skills and um, even our weaknesses. So I think just living it out is just kind of allowing God to transform all of your life rather than just, you know, one day or one area, but it's just kind of letting Him um, take your whole heart. If you haven't made the decision or are kind of living in fear or just, you know, almost just like the comfort of not living, um, living it out for Christ, I would just encourage, to take a step of faith and to just really expect God to show up because I, I have no doubt that he will. All you have to do is just seek him out in one way and then he'll show up in the next.
0: Church, you have been saved by the gospel. That's why we're saved. And the same God who saves us keeps us. Don't ever get over the power of the gospel in your life. This God who, uh, who, who we were once guilty with says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This God who we tried to perform with our own self-righteousness says to us in Romans, but now the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. This God who came into our lives when we were very much focused on ourselves says now, love as Christ loved you and gave Him his life up for you. Everything's related to the gospel. Don't ever move beyond it. Live in awareness of it and dependence in the completed work of Jesus for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for everything that we need. We need your forgiveness. We need your righteousness. We need your love. May we be people who keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. May we be people who are loving others. May we be people who make our lives more and more about Jesus.